Today, Dr. Steve Smith will be joining me on Transformations Through Running. He's an orthopedic chiropractor with more than 40 years of experience in extensive chiropractic care. He's an avid runner and specializes in injury prevention for runners and takes his knowledge to the community with programs like Team and Running and the Pasadena Pacers Club. Most recently, he's developed a series of stretching videos for runners that can be viewed on his website. We'll mention that at the end. And he's written a book that focuses on orthopedic injury prevention and treatment called Run Healthy, Run Strong. Super excited to have Dr. Steve Smith on with us today. This is Drew, and you're listening to the Transformations Through Running Podcast. All right, before we jump into the show, a quick word from our sponsor, Complete Truth Protein. This is a great protein supplement that we've developed ourselves at True Form to help you gain energy, also improve digestion. But at least for me, being an athlete for so long, I realized the benefits of putting quality nutrients into my body to help me perform better. So that's exactly what this is. We put together simple ingredients in a powder form so you can bake with it, so you can throw it in shakes or smoothies. See, the thing is we're burning tons and tons of calories as runners, so we need to replace those calories with quality nutrients, which is why we developed a product like Complete Truth Protein. Easy to digest, utilize, absorb, and turn into energy. So if you'd like more details, shoot us a message at trueformlife.com, and we can definitely set you up. We got the interview coming up right now. You're going to hear... Dr. Smith, pretty much jump right into it. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy. Yeah, we have a running program called Pacer Nation. And uh, we started about 24 years ago uh, with community exercise programs out there to, uh, to help people get healthy. So, you know, the goal was to get some of my patients to get out there and start exercising, you know, and get off their butt and start moving. And because, uh, you know, I'm treating back problems and people bring their backs in here and they expect me to fix it for them and then and then not do anything else. And you, know, you can't do that. You got to get people to move. So, you know, and, and when the 90s hit, you know, and people started getting computers, uh, I had already been in practice, you know, for probably 12 years in 1990. And uh, so people sat down and we had more and more sitting and it was just compressing people's spines and they weren't, they weren't getting enough movement. So I started a running program. You know, I was a runner back then and I thought, well, I'll just invite people to come on down and run with me. Meet me at the Rose Bowl. Let's go for a run. And I duped people into coming down there and I got about 35, 40 people to show up and we started running. We started running maybe, you know, a minute or two. And the goal was to get up to running 10 minutes and do three intervals of 10 minutes. And so that was in 96, and in that first year, uh, we had about 13 people that stayed with me long enough to get to the LA Marathon. So we trained for 12 minutes, uh, or for, uh, sorry, we trained for six months. And uh, so those 12 people went to the LA Marathon, finished the marathon, and, but what was interesting to me, uh, I couldn't have seen coming, was the, the sense of community and the social connections that happened uh, during the process because most of the people who dropped out of the program continued to run, maybe not nearly as much distance, but they continued to come down and cheer for the other people who were still running uh, the distances and preparing for the marathon. So uh, that year, we had a bunch, bunch of people uh, come out at mile 20 
and start running with the other runners. And it was fascinating because you would see these people with tears in their eyes when they saw the people who had been in the program with them. And we realized right there that this wasn't just an exercise program. This was a, this was a social program that meant a lot to people. So, and after that, we realized we could raise the health and the spirits of entire communities. And that's what we've been doing ever since then. And uh, so we've started 10 running clubs and we've got thousands of people go through our programs and we're still doing it. The program's still growing. And I think we're going to open in San Diego later this year. We'll have seven running clubs that are up and running. Uh, not all the ones that we started made it. Uh, unfortunately, the one in Mendoza, Argentina, uh, failed, which <laughs> would have required a lot of site visits. <laughs> so it's sad to see that one not, not take off. But uh, we had one in Cobham, England, which would have required a trip to London once in a while. And, you know, that one didn't make it. But still, most of them are here in Southern California. We have one in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, so... We're going to run the LA Marathon in about three weeks, and I think we're going to have, I don't know, 400 or 500 runners from the program run the LA Marathon. So, And we've become an official training club for a lot of those races like LA and Revel Series and the Trail Series that we have here in Pasadena. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I just want to keep things rolling here, if you're good to, to carry on. Sure. Tell me about your background. Well, I'm a chiropractor, so I started practice in 78, and I got in it. You know, I, I uh, just was treating back pro- uh, problems and, you know, musculoskeletal disorders, became an orthopedic chiropractor, and uh, got interested in, uh, you know, problems of the foot and ankle and hips and knees, and in addition to the spine, because I was a runner, and, you know, back in 1978 and 1979, if you had a running injury, there was no place to go. Uh, they didn't have any information about how to treat running injuries. You know, they could treat a fracture or if you broke something. Um, if you had a torn meniscus, they didn't even have arthroscopic surgery back then. So, you know, the treatments were really, there was no data uh, available. And so we had to come up with solutions. And some of the stuff that we came up with just, frankly, just didn't work. We, we felt like in those days stretching prior to running. Well, that was really important. you got to stretch. If you don't stretch, you're getting injured. Well, you know, since then we found out that not only does stretching not help you, but it reduces performance, and it's a good way to pull a hamstring. You know, I see more injuries from stretching than I do injury prevention. So, and along the way, we developed all kinds of exercises, and uh, now we, more than ever we know that the, the reason people get injured when they run has more to do with their training programs than anything else. You know, they just run a little too much distance or they add distance too fast or are too intense. You know, they run too intensely, um, especially young people. They, they run too intensely. You know, they, they start, they see a, they see somebody in front of them and go, oh, I don't know, I'm going to go past that guy. They're and racing him. <laughs> yeah, right. He's not as good as me. You know, look at that guy's nose. It looks funny. I'm going to pass that fool. <laughs> i got to go, oh, no, there's a there's a lady. There's a woman. I, I'm not going to get checked. I'm going to go past that lady right there. I'm going to go past that girl with her ponytail flopping like that. Come on now. She's not as good as me. And the next thing you know, they're sitting on the chair uh, in the chair in my office wondering why their knee is sore because <laughs> they've been running way too hard. So 
Yeah, it seems like a regular thing. Like a lot of runners, they just want to go out there and run as fast as they can every time. Yeah, that's so true. But, you know, you've got to earn that. You know, you earn your speed. And the older you get, the more you have to earn it. You know, it's, uh, it requires conditioning. So um, that's what our programs do. We, we know how to condition people and, and get them up to speed so uh, they don't get injured. So, so are you training? You train for these as well as – so tell me, you, you, tr- you treat these runners as well as develop programs for them? Or what specifically do you do? Well, I, I, uh, the main thing that I do is I provide the training programs for them through the Pacers, uh, Pacer Nation. Okay. So, uh, and then I'm a chiropractor. If they get hurt, you know, I also treat them, which sounds kind of mercenary. <laughs> sounds like a great business model, right? Yeah. The truth is, is I give away more treatments than I charge for, you know, for these people because most of it's really simple stuff, you know. Um, so. Uh, but we tr- we do the training programs. That's the main area of interest that I have for you know for the running community. And you know we found that if you get people to develop slowly as a runner, they're much more likely to be successful. And uh, we use the old tried and true principles of of training. You know where you use periodized training. You you put them on uh, base training first, and then strength training next, and finally you do speed training. So our rule of thumb is. Uh, base before strength and strength before speed. You know, what is base strong training? Runner, you're not going to get in. What is base training? Base training is just developing the type one muscle fibers. That's uh, type one muscle fiber training where you uh, you get yourself to your, where you can handle volume training volume. And during your base training phase, you're you're getting people to get out there regularly, establish the habit of running. You know, at least three times a week. We try and build them up to 20 miles a week, and then. For our marathon training programs, we like to have them at 30 miles a week. And once they can handle that kind of training load by gradually uh, getting them trained up, they're at the same time at the cellular level, they're developing mitochondrial density, which is developing the muscle cells, the energy production sites within the muscle cells uh, will become, there'll be more of them so that they can do the work of running. And then they develop cross linkages between the fibers of the muscles, which make the muscles strong enough to stand up to the to the long uh, long hours of running endurance. And then uh, once they've gotten to that point where they can they can handle uh, the volume uh, of running, then we start putting them on strength and we get them strong. And uh, so once runners understand that they've got to have base training, uh, then they're they're more likely to slow it down. So, and the way you tell if a person has good base training, you just, uh, if you feel like, if I were to ask you, Drew, do you want to, let's run down to Santa Monica from Pasadena. And I know there's a great breakfast place down there. Uh, so once you meet me on Sunday, we'll run to Santa Monica and go have breakfast. And if he says, oh, that, that sounds like a great idea, then you guys, have, you have good base training. Uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, you know, a base trained runner doesn't think anything of running 15 miles. They go out there and, you know, they run 15 miles at a time. And uh, you have a pretty ba- good base trained runner. You know, you say, I'm going to go run uh, up to Mount, Mount Wilson. Uh, you know, you're going to run 11 miles. Well, a base trained runner doesn't even think twice about it. So, and then a runner who's strength trained, uh, you can say, uh, we're going to go run to the top of that hill over there, and uh, and then we're going to go down over that mountain range and go to the top of the next hill, 
and we should be going about three or four hours doing hills. And a, and a good strength train runner will go, oh, that sounds like a fun time, let's go. Uh, you know, so when you're out running with the guys on the streets and you go, hey, there's a, there's a pretty good uphill run here, we're gonna be 17 miles of just uphill. Uh, and a hill trained runner who's really strong doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's going uphill or downhill. So that's the way you can tell if he's good base trained or she's good, uh, good with base training and hill training, then you're okay for putting on some speed training. Yeah, and you know when you do the speed work, they're not going to get broken because they're strong. They can handle volume and they can handle the intensity. They're good to go. So that's the way we uh, we train runners to prevent uh, injuries. And if you skip those steps, your, in- your chances of an injury are much higher. So okay, so let's take a step back here. So for the base training, what does the training look like? You're doing conversation pace running. So okay. you go out and run conversation pace, and whatever that is for you. You know, you could be a person who runs conversation pace at a seven-minute mile, and, uh, you know, that's easy for you. You take one of these Kenyan runners, that's probably what they run like. Um, you take an old guy like me, you know, a, a conversation pace might be 12 minutes. So I can run 12 minutes all day long, um, but if I start out at 12 minutes, in about two or three months, when my base training comes into effect and I'm, I'm getting more fit, maybe my conversation pace is now going to be 10 minutes. You know, I'll be way faster and no extra effort. So, you know, your base training, uh, you know, your pace will change as your, as your uh, base training comes into, uh, comes into your fitness level. So, Okay, so that we have base training and, and we're slowly building up. That's conversation running. How Roughly how often a week or do you recommend this to start with? Minimum, minimum three times a week. Okay. And, and here's one of the, the key issues. You know, when people are training for marathons, they often will come out to the club and they'll, they'll run their long runs only. And then they'll, life will creep in, they'll get stressed, they have kids, they have jobs, they have... Uh, volunteer work that they do, whatever it is that interferes. And the next thing you know, it's next Saturday. And they went from 10 miles to a 12-mile run, and they've had no running during the week. Well, that person is, to a certain degree, become deconditioned during the week, and they're not fit enough to handle the load on the next Saturday. So we try and get them to go three times a week. And uh, so, you know, the reason for that is you have to have consistency because, um, we call that adaptational training stress. You have to put a training stress on your body. You got to push the body to apply a certain stress, and then your body adapts to it. So we have stress and adapt. And if you don't have enough stress and adaptation happening frequently enough, you get deconditioned, and then the next time the run comes around, you're not quite ready for it. So this is one of the ways where people can do too much too soon. And even though they just ran last week, it's still too much too soon to make that 10% incremental increase in volume. So we've got to get them out there and do the midweek runs and give them that encouragement. And, and it's not enough to give them encouragement. You have to give them incentive as well. So having a social program where they're going to meet their friends makes a big difference. Um, Okay, so we got that's the base training. Then we take that to the next level. What does strength training look like? So strength training uh, we do on hills. 
that's how you make strong runners. You put them in the hills. And um, we start them off on uh, some of the smaller hills. Um, and sometimes we'll do uh, hill interval training. We'll put them on a hill and just do it over and over again where they're pushing about 70% of their capacity on the hills. Um, you know, we start out doing 20 minutes of hill training and then gradually build up from there. And we only do 10% of our, uh, of our workouts on hills because you, know, you want 80% of your uh, work to be at, at conversation pace. Uh, and we'll do 10 to 20% at uh, hill training. So if they typically do, uh, say, five hours of exercise during the week, you know, you're going to do an hour of the hill work. So you try and proportion it that way so that they're not burning themselves out. And here in Pasadena, we have some great hills. So we take them up on some of the hills and, and push them a little bit. Uh, and we have, like, around the Rose Bowl, there's uh, 10 or 11 hills. And eventually we get to the point where they're running every one of those 10 hills uh, around the Rose Bowl. That's a good. That's a good workout. That's uh, ten hills and you know about ten miles. Uh, ten miles of hills. Workout. Ten miles of hills. Yeah. So wow. well, okay. some of the you, if you're going to go up, you got to go down. So it's not all uphill, but right up and down the hills. So how yeah. long is this going to take roughly, or how long do you dedicate roughly a week to hill training? We like to get ten good hill workouts. Um, or about six weeks, you know, so six to 10 weeks of training on the hill workouts. And you'll know, you can really feel the difference by the third hill workout. You're, you're feeling a significant change. It's amazing how fast your body adapts. So, yeah, the hill workouts are where we see some of the biggest progress, you know, for our runners. They really notice themselves getting stronger. And then, the place where they really notice it is their conversation pace is now dropping. You know, they drop to a, a faster pace without really exerting themselves anymore. So that's a, that's a fun phase of the training when we get to the hill workouts. From from then on, from day one of hill workouts, we never let hills off of our schedule. We hold that for the rest of their training cycle. So they're going to have hill training, you know, from that day forward. What are you doing to run hills in the summertime when it's 110 degrees in the Pasadena Hills? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a challenge. But, you know, there's heat adapt adaptation training, too. So that's part of it. It's got to be part of it. Okay. It's got to be part of it. So and then, so the next one or the last stage is the speed work. Yeah, so speed work we do. Uh, we have a couple different approaches to that. One of them is we do tempo runs, you know, so we'll put the guys out there. If they're going to be a marathon runner, we'll put them out there at marathon goal pace. Um, and we'll start them off with a couple of miles at goal pace. And uh, if they've been training all season, they've been with us for four or five months, then uh, we can put them in at even more miles than that. You know, we'll start them off at four miles of marathon goal pace. If it's half marathon, then we put them in at half marathon goal pace. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, you know, the, if it's 10K, we're going to put them in it at better than their 10K goal pace um, so that uh, they're really pushing themselves. And we started extending the number of miles 
And it's as simple as that. You know, you can get up to a 12 mile tempo run, uh, you know, during the speed training. And during that time, we have a, a track coach and the track coach is a guy who trains, uh, trains uh, college level athletes to run on the track. These are cross country runners, but we do track workouts down at the Rose Bowl. And we'll give them 200 repeats They'll do whistle workouts where they'll they'll run and they'll sprint for 20 seconds at a time. And, uh, and then he blows the whistle twice and you stop. And the next time you hear the whistle, you go again. So he'll give you so many seconds of rest and so many seconds of running. And uh, we build all the way up to mile repeats. So you're increasing your distances. We'll do 800 repeats, which is roughly half a mile. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the easy workouts early on in the speed training could be four 800 repeats with a couple of minutes rest in between and uh, so most of the people that come down for that that recreational runners that'll be the first time they've ever done a track workout in their life so it's <laughs> it's very fun to stand by the track and hear the complaints <laughs> <laughs> fun for you not for them <laughs> it's, well it's fun for me until they they challenge me to come participate <laughs> you know, Sometimes you just have to, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and I don't like doing track workouts much anymore, but I'll probably participate on the next round. So, <laughs> so are you training for races now? Are you still running? Yeah, I'm still running. I ran a couple marathons last year. You know, I'm 68 and I'm still still doing it. I'm going to uh, looking to qualify for Boston this time, uh, this next round. So we'll see how it goes. Have you ran, I gotta, have you ran Boston before? I've never run Boston. You know, I've always been kind of a recreational uh, you know, marathoner. I'm not very good marathoner, but good enough to keep doing it. So, and that's my goal, keep doing it for a lifetime. You know, I'm not trying to do it for health rather than uh, compete. So I've always shied away from competition you know, as you get older because I don't want to take the risk of an injury and then lose that opportunity to continue to work out and be fit. Because you know, I found out when I'm, when I'm working with patients, if if you tell a patient not to eat sugar, you better not be eating sugar yourself, <laughs> you know, because you don't have the ethics presence to get them to follow through. You know, you just seem to not have the schwa de vie for not eating sugar, you know. And if, if you tell people to exercise, you kind of need to be exercising, you know. If you're sitting there smoking a cigar and you're fat and you tell people to exercise, they will walk out and go, yeah, sure, you know. But if you do it and they see you do it, they'll come along with you and and it uh, so you know it's one of those things where if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, recommend a thing to somebody then you better be willing to do it yourself so as a Cairo tell me about some suggestions to prevent injuries I think that's a big one for runners well the biggest thing is the training uh, program as I said before but aside from that if you have really poor biomechanics you know that needs to be handled, and we see a lot of people that um, that have really terrible foot problems, and then they buy their shoes online. Uh, you know, this is a thing. If you're going to start a running program where you're doing endurance running or running fast, you need to get the right shoes. And you know, it's amazing to me. People will save they'll save ten bucks on a pair of shoes and go start a running program and think nothing of spending. 80 bucks at the chiropractor's office to go get the problem fixed that they cause by having bad shoes in the first place. So go to a professional running shoe store and get fitted by people who know what they're doing. You know, we have this little store here in town called Run With Us, and 
those guys have worked there, some of them have been working there 25 years and they, they know their stuff. They know what you know, the shoe reps come around. They know, uh, they know a, a motion control shoe or a stability shoe or a cushion shoe. They know all the different varieties of shoes and they know how to tell if they fit right on your feet and they make you go run in them. They have a great return policy. Um, so getting a really great pair of shoes uh, is probably one of the most basic things, but it's a it's a part of it that people skip uh, because of our you know opportunity to buy things online cheaply. So uh, yeah, you know, and I had some I had a experience with that. I had some old running shoes that were worn down, and I was running more and more often, and I didn't really think about my shoes very much, and I started to get this knee pain. And the knee pain it just got worse and worse. And then I finally got a new pair of shoes, not even thinking about my knee pain. I was just because of my shoes were, literally had holes in them. It was slightly embarrassing. So I got, got new shoes, and the knee pain slowly started to go, went away. And I was like, man, I should have got new shoes earlier. <laughs> I, I see it every, every week, you know, people will just... For whatever reason, you know, sometimes people are just cheap. Sometimes people are just, they really like their old shoes. It's like a superstition, you know. It's like, I, I ran this and that race in these shoes, and, you know, I just, I think I can go a couple more runs in them. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're completely worn out. You know, I, I have a couple of shoes that are in my shoe hall of fame. You know, I'll never get rid of the shoes I ran the Istanbul Marathon in. I don't know, I have a thing about those shoes. It was a really special race to me, and I, I still have my... You know, they still have the chips on the laces for that shoe. Yeah. They have their own shrine in my closet. <laughs> so, You'll have to bronze you know. them and put them on the wall. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think people just, you know, for injury prevention, if they did more strength training, they'd be, they'd be much better off getting to the gym once in a while and doing a, doing a few exercises to strengthen the spiral muscles around the middle of your body, what we call the core muscles. We don't always think of this, but uh, running has three uh, planes of motion. You know, you have your kind of side-to-side motion this way. You have your forward and back. But if you look at a person from above down, they have a twisting motion. You know, when your hips come forward, your shoulders go back. So there's a, there's a kind of a counter-rotation that occurs. That counter-rotation can be aided by strong core muscles because the core muscles go around you in a spiral like a steel-belted radial. And if they're nice and... Uh, tight and stiff, uh, you get much more spring uh, when you release your hip, and it reduces the amount of effort, and it also helps you to absorb energy. So, you know, today in a world where yoga reigns supreme as the primary go-to exercise for so many people, uh, we think, gosh, you shouldn't be tight. That's not good for you. You need to be loose. But we also have to remember that tight muscles do a couple things. They absorb shock, they return energy, and they apply propulsion. So tight muscles are good, and that's what you get when you go to the gym and do strength training. So Yeah, it's a great point. Go- we just did a show on the importance of strength training for runners. So hopefully, it always surprises me how few runners actually like add in strength training. But I think there's so many benefits to adding in strength training to your running routine as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think just so many runners want to get that. They're, they're, they're uh, in pursuit of mileage, you know, and so they think of the time at the gym as time that could have been spent getting miles on your feet. Right. And 
that can be short-sighted, you know, I think getting out there and doing some strength exercises. So, um, you know, we spent a lot of time videotaping my strength inner, uh, strength exercises for runners, and uh, we put them on YouTube so I can always refer people here. Go look at this exercise videos. This will be good for you. And I can tell, uh, I can tell when people uh, – are listening to me because we get more hits on our YouTube channel. <laughs> and, and I can tell when I'm not getting the hits on the YouTube channel, you know what? It's usually when I'm not going to the gym, I'll tell people, hey, go look at these exercises. And if I'm not working out for whatever reason, they seem to smell it and then they won't go work out. <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you can you can really make yourself a better runner by going and doing some strength training. Is there anything that was fantastic? I, it's about time to wrap things up. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to add before we wrap the show up here? You know, the one thing that uh, we didn't talk about is what happens when you start a community exercise program. I'd encourage everybody to give it a go. Go invite your friends and the people you work with, and get your relatives involved. Start a start an exercise program, and see if you can make it grow. See if you can have an impact on the community. It has been the most rewarding thing I've done in my career, uh, watching people set goals and achieve things and cross finish lines and have breakthroughs in their life. You know, that's just been when you help somebody to get to a new level uh, and then develop leaders to to continue those programs and then support the leaders, help the people who help the people. I think it can produce, produce a ripple effect that makes people really happy, makes them like each other more it has a a stunningly positive impact on communities it makes people behave better i think it makes people be better humans i think i think we could solve some of the problems in the world if people were to to get out there and start community exercise programs and make it social Uh, we've become so isolated by our technologies now but yeah yeah, it's do it. And and the other thing, too, is when you run with people, it separates uh, barriers, self-erected barriers that uh, we don't know exist. But, you know, when you're out there just with your running shoes and your shorts and just a simple shirt, uh, it takes away what you know, what you have, where you go, what you do. And it just leaves you person to person, and it, and it makes it possible to make connections with people in a way that uh, wouldn't be possible without without uh, being on an exercise program together. It dissolves barriers, and it and it and it really connects people in a meaningful way. So, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage everybody uh, get out and get out and exercise, and then make sure your friends come with you. Awesome, Dr. Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. I appreciate you coming on to share your insights with us. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate you too. Take care. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Transformations Through Running. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. We so much appreciate your time and effort to come and see what we have going on each week or throughout the week. You can find us on social media, facebook.com slash truefarmlife. We'd love it if you consider following us along there to see our posts that go up daily. We also have little mini groups. Sometimes we have a 10-day fitness challenge. We have a plank challenge that we're working on now. 
And we also put up on our story contests and giveaways, things that help you stay motivated to be to live a healthy lifestyle, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle. That's what we do. We're also on Instagram.com slash trueformlife. Shoot us a message. Let us know how we're doing. We're very personable. We'd love to know how things are going, how you're enjoying the show, or maybe even how we can improve it. More details are at trueformlife.com. This is where all the past shows can be found. This is our main website where we host everything. You can find some of our products like Complete Truth Protein on there. All past shows can be found at trueformlife.com as well. If you're not listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you may be, we're hoping to come to you so you don't always have to come to us. Once again, thank you so much for being here, and we hope to catch you on the next show.